Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. We're starting a new sermon series called Circles, and you could also call it a series on mental health. About 10 or 20 years ago, the phrase mental health was not a well-known phrase, but now it is well-known. Have you ever heard of Google Trends? It's where you can go on and Google will tell you what people around the world are searching for. And the terms mental health, depression, anxiety are being searched for now more than they ever have since Google began. It is a big topic. Prince William, Prince Harry, various other celebrities are talking about mental health. And mental health is about peace and well-being in my thoughts and my emotions so that I can function well in society. Let me say that again. Mental health is about peace and well-being in my thoughts and emotions so that I can function well in society. Let me read you a couple of statistics and, and definitions about mental health. So the World Health Organization says that one in four people in the world will be affected by mental or neurological disorders at some point in their lives. Around 450 million people currently. Uh, An organization called mentalhealth.org.uk says you're in good mental health if you can make the most of your potential, cope with life, and play a full part in your family, workplace, community, and among friends. And they say good mental health is characterized by a person's ability to fulfill, the ability to learn, the ability to feel, the ability to form good relationships, and the ability to cope with and manage change and uncertainty. And then another organization called New Roads Health and the Mayo Clinic as well say that some of the symptoms of mental health problems are long-lasting sadness or irritability, extremely high or low moods, excessive fear, worry, or anxiety, social withdrawal, and dramatic changes in sleeping or eating habits. And I want to say to you that mental health may be a new term or a new idea in the world's perspective, but God has been talking about peace and purpose, and being well-adjusted, and having a sound mind for generations. In fact, you could say that it is the main, one of the main themes. There's probably three or four big themes of the Bible, and one of them is being well-adjusted mentally and emotionally. You know, one of the definitions of extreme mental disease is that you are not in touch with reality. Reality and your perception of it are two different things. And the Bible talks about us being in touch with reality a lot right the way through, but it adds a dimension. You see, the world says you're in touch with reality when your five senses and your logic can process the information correctly. But the Bible says, yes, you need your five senses and your logic, but there is a whole extra dimension 
called the spiritual unseen world, and when you see that as well as what your five senses and your logic tell you, then you are in touch with true reality. And so we could say that everyone who doesn't believe in the spiritual realm and God and what the Bible tells us is not truly in touch with reality, and that's why the Bible says, he who says there is no God is a fool, foolish. In fact, this term foolishness and wisdom go right through the Bible, but especially in the book of Proverbs, and it talks about the fool as being a person whose life comes to ruin because he's not in touch with reality, whereas the wise person is in touch with reality. Proverbs 3 and 4, and many of the other Proverbs, list the benefits of wisdom, which means seeing reality correctly from God's perspective and and the truth. And I'm just gonna say a few of them. It says, the person who finds wisdom finds happiness, long life, riches and honor, peace, safety, a stumble-free walk, anxiety-free, sweet sleep, protection, confidence, promotion, and physical healing and health. And this is what the psychologists and doctors of the world are trying to make happen, but the Bible has been talking about it from generations ago. There have been many scientific studies that have tested mental well-being or mental health against the involvement in religion and Christianity. And the overwhelming conclusion is that people who are involved in not just organized religion, but who have a relationship with a benevolent, loving God, in other words, people who who know God and know that he loves them, their mental health is dramatically better than those who don't. And so we're gonna do a sermon series called Circles, and we're looking at what God's word says about being well-adjusted, being in touch with reality, and I think it will help you. So the first verse is 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, and Paul is talking about there was a group of people in the city called Corinth, there were a group of leaders, Christian leaders, who came in, and they, Paul had been in Corinth, and he'd been starting the church and building the church, and then this other group of so-called apostles came in and they started telling the people different things, but Paul says they're not true apostles, and listen to what he says about them. He says, we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves. So this other group of people would commend themselves. They would boast about how great they were. He says, we don't class ourselves or compare ourselves with those guys who boast about themselves, but they, measuring themselves by themselves, in other words, their measure of how good they were, how healthy they were, what they should be like, was based on each other. They were looking at each other to say, what should I be like? He says, they measure themselves by themselves, compare themselves among themselves, they were always comparing themselves. How am I doing against Susie? What is Joe's garden like this year? What what is Mike's social media profile picture like? They were comparing, comparing, commending, uh, measuring, all within a small little circle of reference, themselves. And then they were boasting about themselves And he says, we do not class ourselves like them. We don't compare ourselves with them. 
They measure themselves by themselves, they compare themselves among themselves, and then he ends off that verse by saying they are not wise. And there's that word wise. It's a Greek word, suniemi, and it means to put two things together correctly. It means putting the outside reality together with my perception of reality, and when the two match, then I'm wise. But he says those who compare themselves with other people or boast about themselves to other people, or are always referencing themselves by their circle of people around them. He says they are not wise. They are not in touch with reality. They don't have mental health. And then listen to what he says. We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within the limits of the sphere which God has appointed us. We're talking about circles. And he says, there is a circle that God has appointed for you. And we're gonna be unpacking this in the weeks to come, but basically, let me give you a foretaste of it. He says, it's a circle of measurement. How you measure yourself should be based on God's ideas and what God says is right and wrong. That's part of the sphere that God has appointed. It should include the people that you associate with and link closely in your life. That's part of your circle. It should involve your activities and what you do and what you don't do. God, should I do this this year? Should I do that? Should I invest my money there? Should I travel there? Your circle of activities should be appointed by God. And when we get that right, a whole lot of things come into place and we become wise. We can see the world correctly. We have peace in our hearts because the outside reality and our understanding of it and our expectation of it are the same. Let me read on. He says, we will not boast beyond measure within the limits of the sphere that God has appointed us, a sphere which especially includes you. In other words, we are individual circles, each one of us has our own sphere, but there are links where your circle and my circle link, and when I link my circles correctly with other people in the way that God wants me to, there is peace, there is wisdom, there is mental well-being and emotional well-being. He goes on to say, we are not overextending ourselves as though our authority did not extend to you, for it was to you that we came with the gospel of Christ. We're not boasting of things beyond measure, that is, in other men's labors, but having hope that as your faith is increased, we shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. God wants our sphere of well-being, of identity, of relationships to enlarge, to grow as we go through life. And he says, when we link with each other correctly, we enlarge our circle of influence without being given extra stress. Proverbs says the blessing of the Lord brings wealth and he adds no sorrow to it. That when we do things well in the world's way, we can add and increase our sphere and maybe our wealth, but there's always added stress and sorrow. But when it comes from the Lord, increases in our sphere of influence, don't bring extra stress. And then he says, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast in another man's sphere of 
accomplishment. So let me go through those verses very quickly and tell you what he says. First of all, in verse 13, he says, there's a sphere which God has appointed, not you've appointed it yourself. Secondly, he says, there's a sphere which includes other people. In God's relationship structure, we have spheres that link with other people. Thirdly, he says, in verse 15, your sphere must be greatly enlarged. Your sphere of influence and well-being should be growing day by day, week by week, month by month. And then lastly, he says, it's a sphere of accomplishment. It's not just being happy and peaceful in myself. There is something that God wants you to do. Your sphere includes a job that you have been created to do that nobody else in the planet has been created to do. So let's just imagine this. Imagine you have an idea of your circle. It's your identity. It's who you relate to. It's what you're good at. It's what you believe to be the reality of the world. And Paul says there was this group of people who had a wrong idea of that sphere because they were boasting about themselves and comparing themselves with each other and with other people and commending themselves, measuring themselves. Am I better than her? Am I better than him? I think comparison is one of the curses of the modern world. You know, before the internet was so prevalent, you didn't really know much about the world around us. We, I mean, we met people and we had a small circle of people who we got to know, but now we have an insight into people, millions of people around the world, and we start to compare ourselves to them. We start to say, is my family as happy as their family? Am I as skinny as she is? Does, does my husband love me as much as hers loves him, her? Am I, you know, am I as successful? Am I as wealthy? Have I got the right goals in life? And we start to get anxiety. And he says, no, don't compare yourselves with other people. Don't commend yourself. Get God's appointed sphere. Start seeing things through God's spectacles, the sphere of God's glasses that he gives you, and look at the world from what he says is important. Relate to people in the way that he says. Start to work out your accomplishments the way that God says that you should. I'm going to read another passage. It's in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And it starts in verse 6. Verse 7 you will know very well. Let me read the whole thing. It says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So Paul is speaking to Timothy. Now, Timothy was a young man. Paul had found him in one of the cities that he was traveling through. He had found this young man, and he'd said, come along with me in my journeys. And for many years, maybe even a couple of decades, Timothy walked along with Paul, and he learned from Paul, and he grew. But he had a timid or a fearful or a worried disposition. He had stomach ailments and he was fearful. He had mental health issues. And Paul writes to him in the book of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, such beautiful words, but he says in verse 6 of 2 Timothy 1, he says, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you 
through the laying on of my hands. So the first thing that Timothy needs to understand is that to get a proper understanding of the world and his own mental health and his emotional well-being, he needs to say, what am I supposed to be doing? I have a gift from God, and I'm supposed to stir it up and exercise it. You know, if you're bored and doing nothing and sitting there in your room all day with nothing to do, you will have mental health issues. God created you to have a purpose, amen? To be busy. You know, in the Old Testament, when King David sinned, it says, at the time when kings are supposed to be going out to war, David was resting on his veranda, and he spied Bathsheba, and sin and disaster happened, because he was bored, he wasn't busy. And God says, the first thing is, find your gift, find what only you are equipped to do. You have a mixture of gifts. And it comes from the gifts that God has put within you naturally when you were born. It comes from your experiences growing up, but it also comes from these spiritual, supernatural gifts that God gives us often when people lay hands on us and pray for us. And Paul said to Timothy, you've got a gift, Timothy. There's some things that you are supposed to be doing. Stir them up. And then he goes on in verse seven to say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, Anxiety, worry, that's not of God. But of power, that means a strength. You can walk into new situations and you feel, I have the power of God, I'm capable to handle this. Whatever comes against me, I've got power. Secondly, of love, I'm able to give out God's love, his acceptance, his kindness, his generosity, I'm able to give out love. And then thirdly, of a sound mind. And this word sound mind is translated self-control in some versions of the Bible and is translated sound mind in other versions. And I often looked at that and I thought, why do some translators say that that means sound mind and other translators say it means self-control? And so I looked up the word. It's sophronismos, a Greek word. And it comes from two words, sozo, meaning saved, and friend, meaning mind. So it means saved mind. It means your mind has been saved, been changed by God. God has given you a new mind. But then, it also has the meaning of being able to control your own thoughts and emotions without someone else controlling them and also without you being obsessed with controlling someone else. That's why it says self-control. So this little phrase, sound mind, is the brilliantest example that I can find in the Bible of a definition of mental well-being. It's saying a saved mind, a healed mind, power, love, and a a self-controlled mind. I'm not worried about somebody else telling me what I should feel, what I should think. I'm not blown around by circumstances. Oh, one day I'm up, next day I'm down. I'm able to control my own thoughts and feelings, but also, I'm just worried about myself and I'm not trying to control you. And this is where this idea of circles really gets interesting. Because we're gonna talk in the weeks to come about boundaries. 
You know, there's a lovely verse in Proverbs 25. It says, the person who cannot control his own spirit is like a city whose walls are broken down. And the idea is that there should be boundaries around me and around you. There should be limits of, of a, a, a markation line which says, this is what I'm supposed to control and that on the other side of the line is what you're supposed to control and I'm not gonna step over the line and try and control your business and I'm not gonna let you step over the line and try and control my business. And when you get that right from God's perspective, when you understand from God's word, what are the things that I'm supposed to be in charge of? You know the lovely serenity prayer that Alcoholics Anonymous has made famous. It says, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can change, and the wisdom to know the difference. That is about boundaries. That is saying there are some things that are my job and my responsibility, self-control, my own happiness, my own beliefs, my own vision for the future, my own response to God. These are things I am supposed to be in control of, self-control. There are some things I cannot change because they're your job to control. And the wisdom to know the difference is saying there is a boundary line, and when we get that right, when I realize that it's not my job to make my spouse eat correctly. It's not my job to control my children's um, spiritual well-being after a certain age. I can pray for them, but it's not my job. They must make their own decisions. It's not your job to make me happy. You see the difference where I start to realize where are the boundary lines drawn? Where is the circle? the sphere that God has appointed, and how do our circles interlock? Where do you keep your own boundaries in place, and I keep mine, but we've agreed to join together for God and for his purposes. When I get that right, I've got a sound mind. I've got self-control. I've got power and love, and I'm not controlled by fear. And then verse eight, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. Paul says, if you get your gifting right, if you start being busy with what God has called you to do, if you get the sound, saved mind where you know the boundaries and you have power and love, then you can link with other people. And Paul says, now let's share together in doing the work of the gospel. And that is, in a nutshell, what we're gonna be looking at. Because I believe God gave us the recipe for good mental health thousands of years ago. He said, get into God's appointed circle. Don't be comparing yourself to other people. Don't let the world tell you what is right and wrong and good and bad and what you should be trying to be like. Let God tell you. He says, get busy, get God's perspective and let him save and renew your mind and then get some boundaries where you know what it is that you are supposed to be in charge of, what it is that others are supposed to be in charge of and then you'll be able to have relationships that are productive and healthy. Healthy relationships, amen? So I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna ask us all to pray right now. Lord God, 
Thank you for this new year. Thank you, Lord, that you have plans and purposes for me, for my relationships, for my work, for my activities, for my mental health, for my well-being. And God, I want to start this new year in the right direction. Father God, I put myself in your hands. I admit, Lord, that I won't find the answers by comparing myself to other people. Lord, I won't find the answers by following the world's ideas. I need you, Lord, to show me who I am in you, what you've got for me to do, and how I must move forward. I thank you, God, that you are so gracious. Lord, that you, you, your word says your mercies are new every morning, and I can start afresh today. I'm going to pray right now, first of all, for those of us who feel that we've blown it, that our track record has disqualified us, that we've got a spiritual credit rating that is so bad God would never loan us any more grace. And I want to say to you, God's word is true. He says if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness so that you start afresh. Just open your heart to him now and say, Lord, I need you. I'm sorry, please help me to start afresh today. And then the second prayer we need to pray is say, Lord, guide me into your truth, into your ways. Show me your paths, Lord. Help me to get the saved, sound mind that I need. And Lord, I pray now for a special gift of your Holy Spirit for healing, Lord. Jesus, when you arrived, you said you've come to set the captives free, to set the prisoners free, to give a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lord, you've come to bring peace. And I pray now, right now, Lord, for a breaking of bondages and chains that are over some people's lives. I come against darkness and depression and a cloud of anxiety and worry. I come against that and I dispel it in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that your light breaks through into our hearts today. I thank you, Lord, that hope breaks through for maybe the first time for a very long time. I thank you, God, that this year is going to be a year of walking out more and more clarity, more and more health and peace and brightness in our lives, that we're going to start sifting out the lies from the truth, and we're going to start moving into your place of soundness and health in our thinking, and on our emotions. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes. And please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.